This is Invite to Game Night, a podcast for the hospitable board game lover, or anyone desiring to curate a richer board game experience. My name is Gordy Harrison, and I invite you to join me as we explore together what makes board gaming wonderful. Welcome to the table. For today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at EBTG, Everything But the Games, in hospitality and board games. But first, we are going to pick things up where we left off last time with our icebreaker and hear from Gordy today about his true story starring him that no one would believe. And from there, we will interview a few board games before we get into our topic. Gordy. Well, I think I mentioned last, last, uh, how long was it? A couple of weeks? Uh, Last couple of weeks that officially the following story could never have happened because Apparently. I've, I've read on the internet and the internet never lies <laughs> that, you know, this should not even be attempted because it is impossible. And does that not make you so much more proud to tell this tale? I don't know what you're talking about. It never <laughs> happened. So go for it in this story, which may or may not have happened. Um, we were doing a trip to a land far, far away. And this trip, you know, involved a a magical place. Uh, You know, very, very exciting, very exciting. But before we left... Are people usually pretty happy when they're there? I mean, I didn't see anyone sad there. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't know that I'd call it the happiest place on earth. That just seems a little bit like, oh, we're the happiest place on earth. (laughs) Um, But I I don't really know what to call it then. All right. Well, anyway, the place itself, yeah, that's secondary. Exactly. Let's hear the, the story. So leading up to our time going on this trip, and this trip, let's see, we would have been about... Late, late teens. To be clear, I am not included in the we here. This is true. I have never been to said magical place. And maybe neither have I. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Cryptic. So, late teens... Uh, it's, I'm, I'm going with, uh, the, the family of a, a friend of mine and my friend's dad, I, I never know how serious he's being until after the fact, <laughs> he suggests, Hey, you know what you guys should do? You guys should try staying overnight in this place. You know, we're, we're there for like, five days. You could case the joint and, uh, and then, you know, just stay overnight <laughs> and, I don't even know if we took him seriously, but apparently we did because we started planning for it and we started getting excited for it. I mean, you were teenage boys, so I'm not surprised. I know. We really peaked in our wisdom that year. <laughs> um, so we we go, we're enjoying it, and uh, you know we're enjoying our time there. All the while. Casing the joint. Well, we're enjoying it even more because we're of casing course. the joint. And we're, we're, you know, oh, what about this place? And, you know, we're looking at the guards and, um, you know, well, oh, what about this place? This seems like a pretty good place, pretty remote, you know, hard to get to. This is a great spot. Um, and, yeah, like we, we stayed late a couple nights just to see what happens. By the way, 
This place that we may or may not have been to has the super friendly, like nicest security guards in the whole world. (laughs) And then nighttime comes. Totally different crew. Well, all of a sudden, you know, these guys driving around with big smiles and white dress, white golf shirts and their golf carts are nowhere to be seen. And you've got people who are, you know, big and bald and dressed in black with their combat boots. Actually? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And that is the Night Watch. Oh, they want to deter people. So we, we figured that one out on week or on, on, you know, night three and had some second thoughts about <laughs> tangling with these guys. Um, but by then we, we already had a we spot potentially picked out. We had, you know, an exit. Well, we didn't really have an exit strategy, but we had an entrance strategy. <laughs> so you, you <laughs> planned for how to stay and maneuver around, but then you were just going to like hope for the best of a... To get out of there without getting caught. Easy. We just wait until morning and then walk out the front gates. (laughs) We haven't been here all night. It's fine. Just, you know, calling it an early day. We came and we'll leave again now. (laughs) Um, We came, we conquered in five minutes. Well, the day came. our, Our last day at this place. Okay. How nervous were you guys? That day. Oh, we were cool. Oh, we were so cool. No, you weren't. Yeah. No, we were cool. Actually. Not, not nervous a bit. <laughs> Don't believe that for a second. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, so, you know, it was it was night. It was dark. We slipped up this, uh, this embankment. We found... Um, I, I don't want to give too many details here because... Uh, you don't want to get blacklisted? No. Um, well, okay. So, we... You know, this this one ride kind of off to, uh, as you enter enter this place, kind of off to the left, you have to kind of wind through one of the themed districts, and then it's just on the left. Um, and then there's, there's this cool train that goes through a tunnel right behind this one event. Um, and we thought, oh, it's pretty secluded here. Don't see any cameras. Uh, you know? Lots going on everywhere. It's it's pretty quiet here. So we could potentially slip up the hill between the train and the ride as the train goes into this tunnel. Mm. Um, and so we did. We, you know, night came. We jumped a, jumped a little gate, slipped up the hill, found a little path up top, which now looking back at it, if guests aren't using that path, who is using that path? Magical creatures, obviously. Or security guards and maintenance people. So That's looking probably, back on it, we yeah. maybe should have found a different spot. Um, but walking along this path, we found a low ceiling uh, that we could kind of clamber up on. And just down from that ceiling, it was like a ledge. So we could actually climb over the wall that the ceiling had around it lay flat against the ceiling and against the wall. And then we were hidden from the path because we were lower than the level of the wall. And so we did. 
we kind of huddled in right up against the the crook between the the wall and, and the ceiling uh the rooftop and you know i i plugged in some some music and just kind of time to let the times pass and i didn't know this until later but apparently like a flashlight beam swept kind of over top of where we were um so that was our our first close encounter so did you just hang out there for a long period of time oh we were so not nervous that you know we didn't move from that spot (laughs) (laughs) um no we we just we stayed there quiet super quiet um not you know not not moving not making any sounds like i said i had i had some tunes plugged into my ears and uh we just waited there until my friend got a text from his dad and his dad you know who who started this whole thing sent the text kind of backing off a little bit saying something along the lines of you know we've got a flight tomorrow morning and I don't know, like, if if we, you know, if I have to come bail you guys out. um, Now, I should should put a disclaimer here. His dad was very cool because, yes, he would have come to bail us out. And, yes, he would have made a massive show of how much trouble we were in. And then afterwards giving you high fives. And then when we got into the car, it totally would have been high fives. Um, But anyway, so this text is... You know, oh, we've got this flight tomorrow, and I have to come. If I have to come bail you guys out, then you know we could miss our flight, and you know maybe staying the whole night is not the best idea. And so we thought, okay, well, we'll get up, we'll look around, and then we'll hightail it out of here. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of got up, stretched our legs a bit, um, continued along the path, and uh, just curious as to where where we were, where we'd walk to. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we we were walking along, and we looked out looking outside of the park because we were on the very edge, the left edge of it mm-hmm. and looked out and, Oh, there's a whole bunch of lights and warehouses and, and just a whole bunch of stuff on the outside perimeter of this, this park. Okay. And so, and lots of activity and it, it's very cool. And so we, we continue along and we're kind of walking and we come up on the back end of, of a ride and we're, we're kind of looking like, oh, I wonder what this is. And we're kind of exploring and then, and then we figure it out. We know which one, which ride this is. Um, oh, I can't remember the name. It was like uh, Clash, Clash Fountain, um, Briar Mountain. I, I don't know. Something like that. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, anyway, the name is not important. <laughs> we, come up, we come on this ride, the back end of this ride, mm-hmm. and we can see into, like, we're essentially a doorway to get into the ride, like a maintenance doorway. Cool. Along with a maintenance man. Oh. Who we can see a shadow, and we can hear banging of you know this maintenance man hammering something and so we think oh maybe we're not going to explore more than this and we turn around and go back the way we came and so we we, pounding yeah so we come back and then you know we pass the looking out over the expanse of the perimeter of the park at this little city that is down there um because apparently this park takes a lot to run and you need a lot of places to store pieces and vehicles and and 
I guess, places for staff people to hang out. I, I don't know what all that was, but it I was like a little city. it takes city. a lot of people to make oh, yeah. this um, anonymous place run. A place like this, I imagine it would. <laughs> and so we clamber back down the hill by the train tracks and um, this other ride. What was... So we had the train and the, the one, it was like, I don't know, it was like a ghost house or something. Um, anyway, again, names of rides are not important and my memory's failing me here. <laughs> uh, but we clamber back down the hill and now we're back into the park proper. And we have a problem because we were expecting that we could just, you know, run around the park because it would be empty. Right. Not Ooh, so. This place is almost as busy at night as it is during the day, except, you know, with people who work there. Oh and so goodness. all the lights are on. There's no sneaking that's easy to happen. And so we have to slink through um, you know, from, from like kind of shadow to shadow and, Man. you know, um, at, we come to this one spot and we can look out and see almost clear across the park, which is very well lit and there's a lot going on. And so we kind of like get down on our tummies and army crawl across <laughs> this very bare spot, um, to the other shadows. My and the theme of the district that we were going through was just perfect. Made us feel very... Um, I don't know, like we were sneaking around in some pirate town or something. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so it was, it was cool. Uh, we found kind of this back alley and eventually we actually started following the train tracks again because we knew train tracks are on the perimeter. We obviously can't cut through the middle of the park like we were planning on. Right. So we followed the train tracks and we're walking along the train tracks and all of a sudden we come to a stretch that is well lit because it passes over a bridge. Oh. And as we come up to the bridge, we stop because we hear a golf cart coming from the outside perimeter, the city, whatever it was. Yeah. And stops under the bridge. And we hear like a radio crackle. And then nothing. Then he keeps moving across the bridge and goes down underneath the park Ooh, yeah so apparently there's tunnels underneath this park that's super cool um now there's a bridge on just the other side of the bridge the train tracks keep going on one fork and on the other fork there is a, a door to a building okay and so uh, once the guard at the bottom has gone down into this the tunnels underneath the park um, a couple of my friends kind of sneak across and I'm just about to, when I hear the door open, Aww. the door that is just forked off of from where my friends have now run. And so I stop and freeze cause I'm still in the shadows. They're in the shadows. Yeah. They're still walking away cause they didn't hear the door open, but I heard the door open, heard some keys jangle yeah. and then I'm waiting and waiting and then finally it's gone. And so then I sneak across the, the bridge, the well-lit bridge. Um, and I'm on the other side and I catch up with them and it's all fine. They, they didn't even know that that had happened. So I just want to interject here. I know how this story turns out, but I'm here like, are they going to get caught? Are they going to get caught? And I already know what's going to happen, but keep going. The suspense is killing me. <laughs> well, we're walking along 
And we're now thinking, okay, so we know that the train goes pretty much right up to the front entrance, but the front entrance is so well lit. And by now we know there's got to be guards there. So what do we do? Well, we're walking along and suddenly we're walking beside a chain link fence and some bamboo trees that lead up onto a building. And we think, oh, well, we'll just climb the bamboo trees and, you know, get up on the building. And so that's what we do. And we're climbing along. And then there's two buildings right side by side Mm -hmm. and a fence in between. So we have now got to the perimeter of the, the park. And this is our way out because we just need to get from the building that we're on, jump across the buildings, you know, over this chain link fence to the other building. And we're maybe home free. And so we go. And the second building has a tin roof. Oh, no. <laughs> so we are now, I think the, the definition of what we're doing is clambering. <laughs> and it sounds like it. Um, fortunately, I think this building was empty and no one was around to hear us. And we kind of drop down from this building to another building and then are able to go from that building. We're now outside the park um, on this building, kind of on an in-between area. Mm-hmm. Um, jump down from that building onto the ground. We have one very small fence to jump over just off to the side of the entrance of the park. And then we book it out of there <laughs> as fast as we can. Still not nervous, of course. Our hearts aren't <laughs> pounding. Were you, I forgot to ask, were you guys like all in black? Like, how did you dress for this? We were on a mission. Of course we were in black. Did you wear balaclavas? No, we weren't terrorists. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> no, we, we did not wear balaclavas. That, that would have been overkill. Okay. All right. um, but we booked it. Don't know that I've ever run faster than that. Uh, we booked <laughs> it out of there and over to our hotel. And oh, you were close enough. You could just run straight to the hotel. Close enough. We could just run straight to the hotel. It was brilliant, brilliant uh, location. Um, we didn't go into our room. Instead, we filed into our friend's, uh, my friend's dad's oh, room. Oh, of course. And just did a slow walk past. He's in bed. Raises a fist and we each do one fist bump as, and then <laughs> file out of his room and go back to our room. Okay. Now here's the question. Did you sleep at all that night? Cause the adrenaline must've been pumping. I don't remember, but I can't imagine that we could have stayed awake. I think we were wiped oh, out. Okay. Okay. Oh, crazy. Well, that is like probably my favorite story to hear you tell. Love it. All right. Well, Gordy, let's interview some board games. (laughs) Yes, let's. Gordy, what game do you have first for us? Well, I mentioned last time that I wanted to do Merchant's Cove. And I really want to do Merchant's Cove. Uh, Just spoilers for next time. We played it. I loved it. It did not disappoint, but I want to play it just uh, a few more times before actually sitting down for an interview with it. Okay, so what do you have for us in lieu of Merchant's Cove? 
Well, we've been playing a lot of Marvel United. So this is Marvel United. It's a 2020 game. It's designed by Eric Lang and Andrea Cervesio. I'm, I didn't look up pronunciation for that name. Really hoping that I got that even close to right. Uh, it's published by CMON. Before going into this game, I should say this was a massive Kickstarter uh, in, was it 2019-2020? But it it ran a huge Kickstarter campaign, and the Kickstarter campaign, after, you know, hearing about it after the fact, for the people who jumped in on it, they jumped in, thought, oh, this is great, and we can get some extra stuff by doing the Kickstarter. Yeah. And then CMON added you know, add-ons and their stretch goals were like so good. And then they added expansion packs and more and more expansion packs and bigger and cooler expansion packs. And they added in like the neoprene mat. And by the end of this thing, you know, your, your $50 pledge had turned into several hundred dollars because it was just so cool. And you had to have these pieces. They knew what they were doing. Now, we did not do that Kickstarter. We weren't even really, it wasn't really on our radar. No, I don't remember turning it down. I don't remember seeing it at all. Right. Well, and I mean, CMON, we, we knew that the game would be available after. So, you know, even if we'd heard about right. them doing this Marvel United, oh, we'll just pick up a retail coffee after because it'll be available. Um, now, CMON did something brilliant. Because after the campaign closed, after, you know, people, they started receiving their their packages and, oh my goodness, it's so cool and there's so much content and wow, all these stretch goals added so much to it. Well, then people who had missed the first one were thinking, oh, we missed the first one. And like us, with our retail copy, just the base game, just the, what are we at, 10, 10 characters? Um, Is it even that many? Well, you've got Ant-Man, the Wasp, you've got Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man? Black Widow. Black Widow. And Captain Captain Marvel. Marvel. And then three villains. You know, with that, you know, we're having fun playing it, but we're really missing like, oh, what about Spider-Man? What about Doctor Strange? Thor. Right. You know, all these characters who would be so much fun to play with. And and Thanos, the big bad guy. Yeah. So we were super bummed that we missed out. Well, CMON comes out with Marvel United X-Men. And guess what? You can pledge and get all of the stuff from the Marvel United campaign. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to hook us. And then they hit you with... All the cool expansions and the neoprene mat and the add-ons for the X-Men. Yes. So, whew, they, whoever is in charge of their marketing and development strategy campaign uh, deserves so many raises. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. Anyway. Do you want to tell us about the game now? (laughs) We're just geeking out a little here. Enough about how brilliant CMON is in in their their Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, This is a a fun little co-op game. Takes about uh, 40 minutes. It plays uh, one to four players. It is a co-op game. 
And so you are, as the Marvel champions, you are working together to defeat villains. Like in the base game, we've got the Red Skull, we've got the Taskmaster, and we've got Ultron. Um, and you're working together to defeat these villains by managing your, your hand of cards, and each of the cards has uh, little things that you can do. Like some of them have really cool effects, like on the Hulk. I love it. The Hulk's effect is you can move one space and then deal three damage to a single target. Um, and it's, it's cool. Hulk form. Oh. I just picture him like over punching someone like, okay, we got well, it. I'm just yep. picturing like the move is not him running. It is him doing his leap off a building and, you know, Hulk smash. <laughs> um, so that's. Thank you for that. Yes, everyone needed to hear that, I'm sure. Um, and so, you know, and what's cool about these cards is you've got, some of the cards have abilities, like Hulk Smash, where you move and then deal a whole bunch of damage. Underneath those abilities, if they're there, are action tokens. And what's neat about the Marvel United system and working together is you get to use those action tokens. So you get your your ability text, whatever that is, and Hulk smash, you move and, and deal a whole bunch of damage to someone. Then you get your two ability tokens at the bottom. Sometimes there's only one. You also get the ability tokens of the card that was previously played by a player. I do really like that feature of it. And so... You know, if you play a really good double punch um, ability card, or not ability card, but the, the tokens at the bottom, the person after you also gets to do the double punch mm-hmm. in addition to their own. And so it, it adds this really neat layer of working together. Right. Well, and like, if maybe, you know, from your hand of cards, you don't have anything that's super useful for you, you could maybe help plan for the next person right yeah Um, like i only have movement cards but you need to move in order to do damage over on this location so i'm gonna play this movement card for you yeah well and it's important to, to time it right because the villain gets harder to beat the more you're damaging him and so right. a lot of this is timing, like, okay, so we need to kind of time these cards so that we can do max damage in as little amount of time as possible so that we can win and not die. Yeah. Um, it's really neat. Uh, getting hit and damaged as the heroes means you discard your cards, which makes it harder to coordinate like that because you have less cards to choose from. Right. Um, and if you ever run out of cards, I think you just, you lose because you ran out of time or... Something like that. I think technically you're taking damage when you lose cards, so you like have died. Yeah. Um, okay, that is Marvel United. All right. Question for you slash for the game. What would you most readily compare this game to? Oh boy. Um. Who? So there's a, a part of me that actually wants to compare this to Heroes Wanted. Um, oh, you know, it's yeah. a, we haven't played that in forever. Yeah, fairly old game. 
Um, that one has more of a uh, mystery men kind of feel, like kind of B-list heroes. Mm. Um, when you're kind of developing your superheroes, right? Yeah, and, and it's really them? weird. Actually, half the fun in that game is, you know those games where you flip, you know, top, bottom, and middle? Um, right, different like combinations. A, well, it's like, usually like a kid's craft. Yeah, your 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 top one is like a spaceman's helmet, and then your middle one is like a cowboy outfit, and your bottom one is deep sea flippers kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah. So you take that idea, and that's how you create your your hero and heroes wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I would most readily compare this one Except to heroes theme, wanted. Maybe? Theme, I guess. That one's co-op too. Sometimes I think. Um, oh boy, that's, that's what I've got in my mind. It is somewhat unique. I, I, the, the card play, the way the card play works, I don't know that we have a game that mirrors that. Yeah. And I mean, where you get to like do your card and the card that was before we've, we've done other games where, you know, you're the cards that you play are the actions that you have. And if you lose cards, it makes it more difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, whatever games we've had that do that aren't, aren't jumping out at me as similar to Marvel United. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to stick with it. Heroes Wanted. Okay. Uh, so that was Marvel United being compared to apparently Heroes Wanted. Both about heroes. So fair enough. I'm going to ask you one other question before I jump into my game. Um, Let's see. What would you say is one frustrating part of this game? Mm, I would say the most frustrating part is how much setup you have to do for the 40 minutes. And it's not that it's a ton of setup. You got a lot of those little cardboard, um, you know, people that you have to put up and... Yeah, it, like it does for take a little e- bit each time. of the villains, you're going to put, you know, between four and six little health counters on it. And every location has a little token on it. And right. And you've you got to put the henchmen up. and the yeah, civilians. Exactly. So it's, it is a lot of setup and it's not a long game. Right, right. So the ratio there is maybe not ideal, but not bad really. All right, can I jump into my game? Oh, please do. Okay, so I want to talk about What Not Cabinet. This is a new game. It came out this year, um, designed by Eduardo Baraf, Steve Finn, and Keith Matika, and art is Beth Sobel and Kim Robinson. We are, I feel like we have a special place for Beth Sobel art. We're always attracted to games that she's done the artwork for i've never heard of anyone who dislikes her art fair and it's beautiful it's really pretty i mean do we want to invite that feedback if, if you dislike beth sobel art drop us a line um, <laughs> also maybe what's wrong with you possibly <laughs> no um but this is published by pencil first games and it is a set collection and tile placement game. The idea is you are creating a collection of curiosities to put in, I guess, your cabinet. And the, the curiosities include like little figurines and crystals and bottles and shells and feathers, that sort of thing. Fun little 
collectible items. Well, and it seems to be all, all stuff that you would, like, when I play this game, I imagine walking on a, a big sandy beach and just things that you find on the beach are the kind things that you pick up. up. Sure, I could see that for, for most of them, for sure. Um, and you're gaining points based on how you place them. So you're trying to get in the rows, um, same type of items. So a row full of shells or a row full of bottles. Um, and in the columns, you're trying to get the same color of items. Um, and you do still get points if there are different, but they have to be all different. So it's all different or all the same if you want to get points for those. And then there are also um, a variety of goal cards and they're, they're kind of a first come first serve thing where once you've accomplished that goal, you take the card and you get those bonus points. There's, there's a decent number of ways that you can gain points in this game. Um, from the tiles, from special little crown um, icons on the tiles, the gold cards, and I think, is that it, Gordy? Is there any other? Well, the mechanism for, for gaining the curiosities is pretty neat, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Where you, so there are five available actions, and we take turns based on how our tokens are, are placed, and you're selecting that action, and no one else can take that action that round, which is kind of nice. And so it, the actions vary um, in terms of whether you're taking tiles from the bag, how many, are you discarding some, and then interacting with tiles that are laid out in the, the general play area, and they call that the outdoors. So I guess that's your My walking beach, on the beach, <laughs> beach collection. Um, and it's, it's a good little game. I find that it's one of those games where you start out with this perfect plan for how you're going to arrange everything in your cabinet. And as with so many tile placement games, you have to settle for a few things that are less than perfect. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going for first. It's like, okay, these are going to be all the same color. And then you're like, okay, I have to put one of a different color in. So now they're going to be all different colors. And then you're like, oh, and now I have a different color, so I'm just not going to score points for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, this game has a really kind of brilliant tension in the action selection, though. Because these, the action that you select also determines your your order, your turn order for the next round. Right, right. And so you're, you're balancing that like, oh, do I really want to be, you know, the first person to go so that I can choose any action next time. Right. Oh, and that's the, where you can gain extra points as well as if you end the game in the first or second or third, I think third maybe, yep, yep. Um, positions, you're going to get a little bonus. Yeah. But I find like there's a really good balance between how good the actions are and their position. Sure, sure. So it's, it's, right. a, it's a neat liked, tension in the game. I always liked the first action, which is probably why I was often in the first place. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say probably why you won. I do have a pretty good win percentage. <laughs> All two times that we've played it. All right. Well, what not cabinet? Can I ask some questions? Shoot. Okay. What should this game sit next to on our shelf, our, our collection of board games? What should it sit next to? Well, 
so it is a pencil first game. So I'm, my mind goes to other pencil first games, you know, I'm thinking it should now box size kind of messes with this a little bit, but I'm thinking that it should be next to sunset over water and now her, which was also Beth Sobel, right? Um, herbaceous sprouts, also Beth Sobel, possibly now herbaceous sprouts, I think is the same box size. Yes. That's the dice one, right? Yep. Okay, so those ones would be, and they're also pretty and, you know, include things related to outdoors. So I, I would say those ones. That's how I, how I picture them. In a world where we had enough space to be choosy with how we placed our board games. Right now it's just what fits. What would you say is this game's best-selling feature? For me personally, it's the art and the satisfaction of creating this little cabinet of curiosities. It's quite satisfying to do. It's true. I don't know. I might have said the pawns. The pawns? The pawns are quite nice. They're not just like generic they have unique shapes and stuff it fits it fits with the theme of curiosities all right are we ready to jump into our topic i think we're ready to jump into ebtg everything but the games hospitality and board games or i just really want to say our title again your friendly local game night host So today we wanted to uh, we wanted to focus on the experience that people get in game night. You know, different ways to facilitate different experiences. What are you wanting your guests to walk away from your game night having felt, having experienced? Um, you know, things like do you want them to feel welcome? Um, you know, those those. So I'm, I'm floundering a little bit here, and I, I have to admit, I'm going to be leaning on you, Alexis, quite heavily for this one, because so much of what we're going to be talking about right now, tonight, is are things that they're kind of off my radar so much of the time. So what are you generally focused on that you're not thinking about these things? Oh, I, I'm focused on the game. For me, the experience <laughs> isn't the game. Okay, fair. What, what, there was music playing? Oh, yeah, I guess there was. What, the house was clean? I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, true. From the time that people walk in the door, I am thinking about, okay, you know, how is everyone doing? Are they needing something? Are they comfortable? Are they having fun and enjoying themselves? That is pretty constantly on my radar. Right, and I'm thinking, hmm... Do they have enough choices of board games? As you walk out with a stack of like 20 high. Oh, it's come ridiculous. On. I, I couldn't even carry 20 board games. Mm, Too false. heavy. Okay, you take trips, fine, but you end <laughs> up with at least 20. All right, so I think to sum up what you were going for there, I think our overarching thought for the day is how do you facilitate the experience that you're you're hoping people walk away with and I think so much of that comes down to hospitality hospitality facilitates that wow 
You said that so much better I know. than I I did. really should have been the opener on this one. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So to go a little bit further, we want them to feel welcome. Now, for me, I like people to feel like I was ready for them, like I was prepared, that they didn't just, you know, walk in while I was in the midst of something and I'm like, ah, I'm not ready for you. I want them to be, you know, to feel restful when they come here. And I feel like part of that comes from whether or not I'm prepared. That That's me. There are probably many people that have no problem whatsoever welcoming people into their life, however that looks. You know, if there's mess, there's disorder, you're not done doing something you were doing. You know, you're still cooking dinner, whatever. Some people probably have no problem with that. And I'm well aware that many guests wouldn't care and they would probably feel just as much at rest in the chaos of everyday life. Well, the thing is, there's a, a degree to which that, you know, shows authenticity. True. You know, you're, Some you're not people, coming yeah. into a, a dollhouse. You're not coming into something that's set up and contrived. You're coming into my life, and this is my life, and right. I'm going to share it with you. Um, but what you're talking about, you're not necessarily talking about hiding what your life looks like. You're no. talking about showing them that you have made the effort to be ready for them. Right. And, you know, I I prefer not to have clutter around and dirt and mess. You know, I want it to be a space that is clean and inviting. And that that works for me. I don't know. Maybe some people would feel more invited if there was, you know, crumbs all over the floor. I don't know. I mean, the ants feel super invited if there's crumbs all over the floor. <laughs> they got ready for us. <laughs> all right. So so for you, that's, you know, kind of a, a big thing for making people feel welcome is making them feel like you were ready for them. Yeah. Like, you know, I anticipated their arrival. I was expecting them. I got things ready. And by you got things ready, you actually mean you got me to clean a whole bunch of stuff up. Okay, to be fair, I do a lot of the, like, 75%. Usually I just am like, put that away, put that away. I get a little bossy. I, I own it. I'll recognize that. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> now, some people, I think, you know spontaneous game night is where it's at for them. You know, they want that like, hey, are you busy? No. Are you busy? No. Let's have games. You know, just come as you are, whatever's going on. Shove this pile over to the other side of the table right. and Make we'll play games table. right here. Right. Exactly. Just, you know, dump the stuff off that's on the back of your chair and go for it. And, and you know, I think there is there is a fun in that. And in a way... You know, it's saying to these people that being with them, playing with them is the most important thing. And and I think there's value in that. But here I'm thinking of a, you know, okay, Saturday night is games night. I want to be ready for it. Hmm. Well, I, I guess, too, that kind of shows, like, you're excited for them to, to come a little bit. It's not like, 
oh, I was getting, you know, I was doing this other thing and I just got caught up with it. And oh, here you are. It was, no, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. I've been preparing for this. This yeah. is this is game night. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make them feel like they matter and that I'm excited for them to to be there. And I think, you know, for them to feel that, that's part of the the thing that will pull you back. You know, oh, they wanted me to be there. They were excited for me to be there. I want to do game night again. I think that that's where you get that that feeling like you're connected into community. Hmm. Which which I think is so key. Um, another thing that I'm always thinking of, especially if we have someone who's new to game night, um, part of hospitality is making them feel safe. So safe to, you know, not know what they're doing. Safe to not know our routine, our rhythm, especially if everyone else is, you know, quote unquote, a regular. Um, And I think part of a host is, you know, welcoming them into the routine and, you know, helping them learn what's, you know, normal for your game night. Does that make sense? I I think so. Kind of like, um, I don't really want to say it like this, but almost like laying out the, the ground rules. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now I'm speaking, you know, for myself, I always feel most like, uh, you know, unsure, worried that I could make a mistake if no one has really told me what to do. I don't know if I'm sitting in someone's spot. Right. I don't know if this is someone's special cup. I don't know if. Right, right. (laughs) And sometimes it's really helpful for someone just to be like, hey, don't sit there. Gordy always sits there. Don't pick green. Gordy always picks green. I am a tyrant in game (laughs) nights. Um, And like, you know, maybe just saying like, hey, before we jump in, we like to chat for a little bit. And we usually get some tea and have some snacks. And then we try to make sure that we, you know, come to the table with clean hands. Something like that. Because, come on, like one of the biggest faux pas you can do on game night is to have greasy fingers with your game pieces. It's true. It's a way to not get invited back. Someone new to game night wouldn't know that. Necessarily. They should know, but they might not. They might not. Uh, I saw this thing on a website called What Nerd where they laid out, quote unquote, the seven deadly sins of game night. And while it felt a little bit, um, I don't know, harsher than maybe I want to go because they were like, just like post this on your wall. I think there is some value in going over this with people um, so they know what to expect and they're not, you know, worrying about messing up with, you know, game night etiquette um and then they're not doing things that make you not want to have them back because that's really not fair you know if you haven't told them what they should and shouldn't do in in a general sense and then just you know they they break these unspoken rules and then you're like nope they bent my cards not inviting them back well and that's kind of a a double-edged um kind of a, a double-edged situation there because on the one hand, you know, if, if they 
don't know these unspoken rules, but they get the sense like, oh, there are unspoken rules. Right. Then they're really on edge. Yeah, and they'll be we super have, uncomfortable. Well, and we have such a, a wonderful, inclusive community, which is the, the board gaming community, mm-hmm. that someone's going to feel alienated from because, oh, there's the uns- unspoken rules. And like, did you see the way they were looking at me when I put down my chicken and picked up the cards and then bent the cards in half. I didn't know I was supposed, wasn't supposed to do that. Now, just an aside, I think the game night host should be wise in what snacks they put out. <laughs> Don't like put out greasy food and then expect people to completely respect your cards. Well, cause then you also have to put out the, uh, the, the, what do they call them? The, the moist tallowettes. Towelettes. <laughs> Towelettes. Towelettes. Um, you know, and, and then you just look anal. Right, right. Like, oh my goodness, these people. But on the other side of it, you know, these kinds of rules and these uns- unspoken rules, um, you know, for our wonderful board gaming community is not without its faults. And... Mm-hmm. You know, now more than ever, I think we need to be striving, each and every one of us, to be building, well, the kind of culture that we want the board game community to be known for. Yeah. Well, and the fact is, there are times when people don't follow these rules and we we choose to overlook it because it's not worth it. And what is worth it is the... The, the culture, the, the overall experience. Yeah, no, it's very, very true. Now, going back to those seven deadly sins, I do think some of them are important to enforce because it helps facilitate a good game night. You know, the, the card one, you know, getting grease on the cards, bending cards, you know, that's that's for, that's just kind of like, respecting our game but at the end of the day it's just a game these are just things and and that's not the end of the world I think what is important is that people are you know being you know helping the game be fun does that make sense you know and because two of the the things they put on here one was like not whining and giving up and then the other one is you know if you do lose not being sore about it. And and that's part of just making the, the game fun. Right. Well, and we talked a little bit about that last episode when we were talking about, you know, what does it mean to, to play the game? Right, right. Um, but, you know, it might, might help. You know, that was more from a, as the host, how do you facilitate play in your board game nights? Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of the seven deadly sins poster uh, kind of puts it on the other side. And like you as the guest coming in, you know, here's it's just something to think about for, you know, how everyone can have fun. Right, right. And I think going back to something that we've mentioned at least once or twice, maybe more, is that idea of, you know, us putting out there the first one is free you know don't feel all this pressure this first time you're playing the game learn the game try things out don't worry about the win or the loss 
just to help them help them feel safe yeah really in in their playing yeah um i did really appreciate from this list that they i think at the top of the list was not staring at your phone because at least to me and i know i've done this my i've been guilty of this one of the quickest ways to just kill the mood in game night is for everyone to be on their phones or one person to be on their phone. Sure. Even one person can ruin it. Except but, for me. Cause I'm just, you know, putting the game into BG stats. Right. And then, Oh, what's this Instagram thing? <laughs> um, but you, not only does that mean they're not ready for their turn, it, it just gives off this impression of they're not, they don't really care about the game and they don't really care about playing the game with the people they're with. That's how I interpret it anyway. I, I'm certainly not meant that way necessarily, but it has that impact. Well, and there's the old, um, you know, if if you're on your phone while there's people in the room, you're telling everyone in the room that they're not as important as the person on your phone. Right, right. And that doesn't, build community that doesn't help the people there feel connected to each other except maybe like everyone not on their phone versus the person on their phone right which isn't what we're going for well then we've got a meta game it's a one versus many (laughs) um yeah and just in terms of gameplay nothing to bog down faster than being on your phone except maybe a severe case of analysis paralysis right right yeah. And then just, just to tie it back to our main topic here, I think it is the responsibility of the person hosting to kind of get ahead of some of these things. And and I think you can do that by, as we said, just putting out some of those house rules, you know, not to, you know, turn this into some sort of like super strict follow the rules night. But just because a bit of structure can really help things go smoothly. All right. So let let me walk through this just real quickly here. Okay. Number one, clean the house like a maniac before anyone arrives. Number two, greet them at the doorway and shove a poster in their face of the seven deadly sins of game night. Number three, bring out an astonishing array of 20 plus games that they can then choose from. Wow, you've really been listening during our conversation. I've, this is fantastic. See, I can listen while I stare at my phone. <laughs> All right, so take everything Gordy just said with a massive grain of salt. Read between the lines. Check context. And only do the clean like a maniac part of it. Okay. Here's the thing is <laughs> I try to keep the house clean all the time so i don't have to clean like a maniac when these situations arise which they have not for a very long time anyway. you're in a bit right right okay so i just want to take one other step back and kind of walk through a night and so or afternoon or whenever you play your games but i think you know right from the doorway hospitality begins you know, I think as the host, for me anyway, it's important to to greet the people coming in. Like, hey, so-and-so, so glad you're here. Great to see you. I'm so excited to play games with you tonight. 
Okay. Now, just I have to ask here because what kind of house are you picturing them walking into? Because our house is small enough. It would literally be weird if you didn't acknowledge someone walking through our front door. Or are you thinking like, you know, you're in a town hall and they come in and you see them from across three (laughs) tables and you're like, hey, good to see you. Well, I just know that we've had times where, you know, people came staggered and, you know, maybe you're in conversation with somebody who's already there and it can be easy to kind of just like, you know, give a nod or something. But I think, you know, pausing your conversation to truly acknowledge the person who's come in has value. Hmm. Because they've come into a place where they, they, they are valued and they, they yeah. can belong. Yeah. When I think I've gone to, okay, I haven't gone to very many parties, but it's, it's awkward when you go to a party and you've not really been like acknowledged that you're there. Yeah. See, this is why, like I've told you, we need to hire the person who stands at the door. They've got a little trumpet. They go announcing. Oh, man, you're just, like, determined not to get the point tonight, aren't you? This is fantastic. (laughs) Okay, so from there, I think it's important, like, okay, people are probably going to, some people will disagree with me on this, but if we want there to be community around board game night, I think that it's important for there to be some pre-game conversation that's not necessarily exclusively about what game are we going to play tonight you know i think it's not the worst thing to have a little bit of how's your week going kind of thing so you're you're suggesting that a board game community might be built on more than just board games like friendship what maybe common life experience outside of cardboard box (laughs) right and but i i say this because I know sometimes we can get really focused on I want to play Merchant's Cove or I want to get to, you know, I want to get three games down tonight. Let's get on it. And it can be easy to bypass you know, the fact that these are these are human people who have come and they've had stuff happen in their day. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was meh. Maybe it was terrible. And you know, this is as good a place as any, I think, f- to for them to be able to share about it. Well, and, you know, you, you said that people would disagree with you. And I, all I, my kidding aside, I, I think that their disagreement is going to be in how they're made to feel welcome. Fair. Not necessarily that they want to feel welcome. You know, I, I don't really no, 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 think no. anyone wants to go no. somewhere and miss out on feeling welcome but i think some people might feel like okay game night is about the games i want to play the games and i want people to play the games with Mm. and they might want to kind of get down to business and and maybe for some people you know maybe they do kind of like meetups with strangers to play games no true yeah so i don't know yeah i Definitely want to start all my game nights with awkward conversations. <laughs> with people you don't know. So, how's, how's the weather? How about them COVID shots? <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Oh, man, I really have to work hard today to keep us 
on track. You're like, I'm sorry. I feel so out of my depth in hospitality. I, I know to put on the tea kettle and, and take people's so drink well. orders and that's about it. And, and I, I don't know. I place a lot of value on having drinks and snack of some sort. Usually I'm fighting you because you're so worried about anything getting on our, our pieces. And I just, I don't know. I think many people are more comfortable with a drink in their hand and a snack beside them. Like if they, at least if they're, you know, that awkward person that doesn't know what to say, they can always take a sip of their drink. Okay. Hopefully they don't talk with their mouth full, but you know, I don't know. I always feel more comfortable having that as a backup. Ooh, we had a friend suggest grapes, which I think is a fantastic snack. Pop a grape in. You're not sticky. You're not greasy. Even better if they're frozen grapes. Maybe. Those can get sticky, though. Mm, fair enough. I think having, you know, seating, your space kind of set up, especially if it's like you have enough seats for everyone. I've been to situ- I've been in situations where there weren't enough seats and then people had to like awkwardly squeeze me in. And I don't know, maybe I'm just highly sensitive, but that made me feel super awkward and uncomfortable and slightly unwelcome. Have you ever had that happen? Um I don't know. It's it's nothing's nothing sticking out to me. So for me, I like if ahead of time we've kind of collected extra chairs and I don't know, I just like people feeling like I'm really ready for them. Yeah. Well, and a lot of this is is coming back to that. And uh, again, you know, people might disagree on what makes them feel welcome, but I don't think they're going to disagree that they want to feel welcome. Right, right. And... You know, I'm throwing out here kind of everything I can think of in terms of what do I do when I'm attempting to be hospitable. And I think I think one can certainly pick and choose from these. And maybe you have your own set of, you know, hospitality guidelines. But this is usually what I'm thinking of. Um, and one other thing, too, I like to make people feel like even if they're a newbie, that they're included in, you know, decision-making. You know, like if we're if we're selecting a game, I don't want to just ignore the opinion of the newbie. So we do need the 20 board game no, pile. No, we don't. That's just overwhelming, especially for a new person. They're not going to have any idea what to choose. I do appreciate, though, I think this is really good, how you give your little, like, 10-second spiel about the games to help people select. <laughs> Not just like, here's games. My elevator pitch. Yes, your little elevator spiel. But I think if you give 20 elevator spiels, that's not actually really going to help people decide which game they want to play. And by the end, we'll only have time for a filler, I guess. So right. you're right. I'll cut back. <laughs> that's that's just it. Yeah. But in in terms of selecting games and bringing out options, I think you know some variety is good. I think, though, you do want to pre-select games that are going to lend themselves to the experience that you're going for and, you know, taking into account who you've invited. 
Does that make sense? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, we've talked about welcoming games, but, uh, you know, our, our game group that we meet with more regularly, we want to bring out the meteor games for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like we have some groups of friends that we've played with in the past where they're not really into the high strategy games. And so we bring out a few more of the party games, the social games, thinking that that's the experience that they're going for. Well, and we might also want to look at, you know, even if someone is into the higher strategy games, or at least thinks that they are, uh, what kind of person are they? What kind of player are they? What kind of experience are they going to have for the rest of the group? Because there are some games that I really don't want to bring out if so-and-so is going to be playing them. (laughs) Fair, fair. One other thing, I don't think we've talked about this yet, is, you know, checking ahead of time what people's expectations are in terms of the length and, you know, do they have an early work day the next morning? I think as a host, it's important to check in what do these people need as far as the time when everything is going to end and then choosing games accordingly. Because it's not fair if somebody has got a, you know, 7 a.m. start day the next day and you've pulled out a two-hour game, maybe not really clued them into just how long it's going to take. Or maybe you have, and peer pressure, pushed them into committing to a game that they really just don't have time for. Well, and I think this goes back to, um, you know, what kind of experience do you want to create? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a side of it. It's it's nice to, as a host, be accommodating to your guests' needs. Yeah. But nothing will sour a game faster than someone who's playing a game that doesn't match what their expectations were. You know, they were expecting it to be done in half an hour. It's an hour. They're tapping their foot. The person beside them is, you know, stuck figuring out their last move and and three moves from now because this is the end of the game. And yeah. Right. So even if you give a, hey, this generally takes this amount of time, you might need to go a little bit beyond that in terms of prepping them. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yep. Yep. Well, and if the experience is going sour, um... And I am particularly bad at this, but n- not being afraid to call a game early. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if someone at the table is having a bad experience, if everyone else at the game is having a bad experience right. because of that. Why continue in your misery? Right. Well, and actually this ties into what we were talking about last episode with The games. ultimate W. Mm-hmm. You know, the ultimate W, creating the experience and the game that will win. The same thing applies there. If someone is having a garbage game and there's no instant kill mechanism for ending the game, you're the host. It's your game. You're in charge of their experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it would be worth it to just pull a game early. Right. And maybe what will save the experience is, all right, let's just cut this one off right here. And maybe you pull out a five, ten minute game just to end things on a bit of a better note. Yeah. Now, I say that this is a hard pill for me to swallow because I will be the yeah. last one to call a game Well, early. there have been times when I've been like looking at you like, this needs to end. It's been an hour longer than it was supposed to. And I'm sure you avoid eye contact with me in those situations. Of course I do. You're wearing daggers at me. I, th- I thought it was because of the last move that I made. Like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. This is going badly. So a lesson here maybe is that you need to listen to your wife. I think that is what we're taking away here. 
Um, always, I guess. <laughs> all right, let's do a little wrap up here. I think we can sum up all the different things we've been talking about in this idea of the experience you're hoping to create for your invitees and how you as the host can accomplish that. And I feel like what we've talked about largely aligns with the experience that you and I are going for. And other people might have different goals there. And so then how they go about you know, accomplishing those goals will look different. But that overall idea of using hospitality, using these different ideas to accomplish that goal of creating a night, a winning night for these people that you've invited into your home. Do you have Right. Well, and I think we can we can generalize a little bit so it's not just our expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say know what kind of experience or have a have an idea of the kind of experience that you want your guests walking into. Right. And and then from there design your night around it. Yeah, don't just expect it to happen because I'm maybe you get lucky. Maybe it'll happen. But I think it takes some intentionality. Yeah, well said. Thank you. (laughs) Until next time, this has been Invite to Game Night. All right, Gordy, favorite things for today. Your biggest pet peeve in game night. Let's hear Uh, it. Let me get this straight. We're talking about my favorite things that drive me nuts. I, I guess, yeah. So, like, it drives me nuts, but I couldn't live without it? Or maybe it you love it so much that when people mess it up or do it wrong, then it's a big pet peeve. So my favorite thing that I wish wouldn't get messed up. Sure. Way to overcomplicate it. All right. Oh boy. All right. My biggest pet peeve in game night, the thing I love that I wish wouldn't get messed up. And I am hundred percent stalling right now because <laughs> I did not think didn't this prepare. through. I, well, clearly I didn't even know what the topic was, what the question was. <laughs> it's not like we discussed it and chose it together. <laughs> Let's see. Do you need me to go so you have time to think? Yeah. And then I'm just going to say the same thing as you. Rude. Okay, what's, I'm going to rephrase it because I have to from my brain. Okay. What's your favorite thing that you don't like getting messed up in game night? No, that sounds horrible. What's your biggest pet peeve in game night? That's what I said in the first place. Um, I think it's when people just aren't engaged in the game. You know, when they're like either having side conversations, like, okay, I love when people talk. But if it's to the point where they're not even engaging with the game at all, um, I mentioned the phone thing in our episode because while I am a guilty person on some counts, it is kind of annoying when, especially if they're not ready for their turn. I think I like people to be ready for their turns, engaged in the game. And if they're not, it's (laughs) frustrating. (laughs) Yep, I can see that. All right. May have been on the receiving end of that once or twice. Be ready for your turn. Um, Okay. I think I've got it. My biggest pet peeve in game night. 
is when rule interpretations always end up in the favor of a particular person. (laughs) So, you know, when they're a big stickler on the rules, it helps them. When they're like, oh, we can fudge this rule a little bit. Like, come on. It's in their favor to the detriment of other people. Right, right. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of interpreting rules in the favor of the team in a co-op game. Uh, Because, you know, oh my goodness, co-op games can be so hard. And I want it to be fun. Not that losing isn't fun. Yeah. But some co-op games aren't fun because it's so hard. Yeah. This sounds like that one episode in our daughter's bedtime stories that she listens to where that the monkey's always upset that he loses at badminton. So he just changes every single rule so that no matter what happens, he wins. Did you see how the wind shifted? My point. Right. Exactly. Um, that's, that's frustrating for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's my biggest pet peeve is just rule swinging when it's always favors one person. Yep. Yep. And I think I need to say that, uh, re-say that. Wow. I cannot talk. My biggest pet peeve is when rule interpretation always favors that one person. Fair enough. I got you. Thank you for listening. Episode 5, Your Friendly Local Game Night Host, was recorded on May 18th and the 27th and produced between bites of white chocolate macadamia nut cookies fresh from the oven. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to continue the conversation with us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you disagree with our conclusions, think we missed something important, or think we could have just said something a lot better, send us a message. If there's a topic you think we should cover on a future episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find us at Invite to Game Night. We'd also love if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform. Tune in next time as we discuss glitches in game night.